friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun, and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists, and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy, and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast. Today is also going to be our first ever Open House hotline episode where we take your questions that you submit and we dive into them. To start off, I'm going to read you the hotline question and then we are going to get into it. This is how it goes. I'm in a happy long-term relationship of six years, although I have some reservations about my boyfriend not taking next steps, which make me a bit sad and like I'm not enough. He adores me and I do know that this is about his own fears rather than me long-term. However, I've met someone at work five months ago who I cannot stop thinking about and I feel so drawn to them. There is zero reciprocation from this person and objectively they are not a fit for me at all as they show little interest in me as a person and we're not even friends. I would tell any friend in a similar situation that they're being extremely ridiculous. I hate feeling like this because I feel like I should be smarter than this and rationally I know that there is zero good there but I can't shake the feeling or stop thinking about him. The problem is it's making me doubt my actual relationship. Please help me. I'm so lost. So that is the question we're going to get into today. Now, I think this is a reasonable question because she's six years into a relationship and kudos to her because I have never got six six years. I was about to say six months. I, I have got six months into a relationship, but I have never got six years. And I have to say that my relationships tend to end around the three, four year mark where I feel like I'm not in love with them anymore, or I feel like I transition into that friend zone. They're not meeting my needs. And I do start to think about other people. The thing that stands out for me is they've been together six years. And she says, I'm in a happy relationship of six years. But then she kind of throws in, although I have worries that my boyfriend isn't going to take the next steps. And that makes me kind of sad and makes me feel like I'm not enough. And that for me is what I was most interested in. It's not just that this is a relationship of six years, but there's this other piece. There's this question mark of where are we going? And one of the things that I would want to say to the woman who wrote us this question question is like, what is your truth about what you want? Yes, it sounds like you are happy in this relationship to a degree, but that piece where there is no security, there is no plan laid out. She's really at the core, not feeling safe there. How does she really feel about that? Because I think that is directly related to what's happening with this coworker and her thoughts about the coworker. That's where I immediately went with it. Massimo, what do you think? Dr. Terry, you pointed out something very important there, that it's that one thing that she needed validation on in order for her to feel full in this relationship. So I would definitely inquire mm -hmm. into what's going on 
in that space as well. And I wonder, is it just about validation or is it about sort of the life she wants to have? And are we on the same page about that? I wish she were here and we could ask her these questions, but she's not. I love what Dr. Terry said about I'm happy, but. And I think that is a statement that we see in so many relationships today. I'm happy, but he's great, but she's great, but the question for me is, is that I'm happy, but we don't have aligning values. I'm happy, but we don't communicate about what the future holds. I'm happy, but I'm with an avoidant partner who actually is never going to commit because there's a buffer between us, which means that I'm happy, but I don't feel held, cherished, adored and worshipped. The truth is life actually isn't black and white at all. And I love to think of this as the iceberg, which is something that Terry and I have spoken about before in terms of anger. So often when you see anger, it's actually just the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more going on under the surface. Terry, I just wanted to ask you, do you think that analogy can also be applied to this situation? Like actually the other person that we're thinking about is really more reflective of actually something much deeper going on within the relationship. Yes, absolutely. And that's really what I mean when I say that perhaps the woman who wrote this question needs to get in touch with some of her deeper truths. So that self-reflection, that self-awareness, helping her identify, okay, what is it that I'm attracted to in this other person? Why am I attracted to this other person? And what is that reflecting back to me about either myself or what might be missing in the relationship. She talks about fantasizing about having conversations with this coworker. And that symbolizes that perhaps there is this deep intimacy, this connection, this continuing curiosity maybe that isn't happening anymore in this relationship that she's in because they've been together a very long time. And when that's the case, we forget to keep getting to know the other person, to keep exploring those deeper feelings, and even to be curious about what's on your mind right now, what's happening in your internal world right now, what's important to you right now. So perhaps starting some of those conversations in her relationship would be helpful. I think sometimes too, when you've been in a long-term relationship and you start fantasizing about somebody new, somebody you've met, it may be because you really miss all of that adrenaline and dopamine and all those excitement feelings of lust that come in the beginning stages of dating because relationships change over time. If you have to actively work on keeping the passion alive, on keeping the sexual connection alive, and especially keeping the emotional connection alive, some people really struggle with the stages of the relationship that are more steady and stable so this woman's been in the relationship for six years. So it's not very likely that she struggles with that because those who really struggle with that start to really struggle when the relationship starts to be more steady and stable. And in that case, those people want to look at themselves and say, why is it that I need this? Like the pursuit, the chase, the chaos, the ups and downs, because those things aren't really part of a stable, healthy, long-term relationship. I don't think that's the case right here. Yeah, that's so important. And I know it's something that you and I talk about all the time, like your unconscious attraction and the fight and the chase and all of that. You spoke about unconscious attraction. So I'm also wondering if her unconscious attraction leads her to be attracted to men that keep her guessing or somewhat avoidant or ambivalent. Just wanted to put that out there too. 
the only thing that kind of is making her unhappy is the future is unclear. She doesn't know if her partner wants to take the next steps. She's really at the core, not feeling safe there. And then there's this coworker at work who really isn't giving her much attention. And yet she feels so activated by that. So I'm also wondering if her unconscious attraction leads her to be attracted to men that keep her guessing. In terms of personality, she met this guy in the workplace, so maybe she's attracted to his success, his ambition, his leadership qualities, and perhaps her current partner isn't as strong in those traits. And conversely, if this new guy has more of the feminine energy, caring and empathic, perhaps her current partner is missing that or she's just craving more of that in her current relationship. So just like you said, it's not as simple as saying, oh, I'm fantasizing about this other person. I need to not be in this relationship I'm in, or I need to be with that other person. You really need to take the time to understand what is my truth? What might be missing in this relationship? What might I be avoiding talking about with my current partner? What issues might I need to bring up in my current relationship? Some other examples would be if she were really attracted to this coworker physically, like the way that he looked, fantasizing about kissing him or being intimate with him, that may be a signal that there are issues in the relationship in the bedroom, or maybe there needs to be some things added to the relationship currently to kind of spice that up. But again, sex is very much related to emotional intimacy for women. So everything is sort of interconnected. There was no specific reference to there being issues with intimacy or sex. She didn't say, we're not intimate, we're not having sex, I really fancy this other person. She didn't even say, like, I fantasize about having sex with him. It doesn't seem that it's driven by the physical. So I think that that's really interesting to look a bit below the surface to be like, okay, well, what is this driven by? I think what happens with that kind of, let's say, presentation is that it lends to the sexuality eventually, because the reality of most long-term relationships is that sex does eventually diminish. If you don't have two conscious people that are consciously and constantly working on their sexual relationship, it's going to flatline at some point. And that's usually the point where people will go for couples therapy or they'll try and find some tantric course or things like that to really start judging things up again. But what's really interesting for me is, so she's not being seen by her partner, let's say in just the relational side, she's definitely not going to be seen on the sexual side. And what worries me for her is, is that until she gets to have that experience of being seen, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, that you are needy, you meet a guy or girl, and basically there is a moment where that person allows you to engage with your sexuality. And you have that experience, which could be amazing in that moment because you really are felt and seen by that other person. But because your boundaries haven't been set, because your desires haven't been discussed, because you haven't been clear on actually what you're wanting from this, what happens? There's no contact afterwards, you get ghosted. There's so many different aspects that can come into that, but it usually leads the person to some kind of disappointment. And then the moment they hit that disappointed phase, that's when they go back into the relationship with all of this shame and guilt, and it just keeps them stuck there. I can single-handedly attest to the fact that the shame, guilt, and regret that you feel after stepping outside the boundaries of a loving relationship is not worth it in comparison to the excitement, the butterflies, the fantasy in your head 
when I cheated on my first ever boyfriend, which I spoke about on series one as being one of the most deeply shameful, regretful experiences of my whole entire life. It's shaped me to this day. It's taken me a very, very long time to work through, heal through. But when I left my partner or when he left me, I felt like I have to make it work with this other person. I have ruined everything. I have ruined everything for this other person. So there was no other alternative in my 18-year-old brain other than I have to make it work with this person. And I wonder if that's often what happens in in these situations. And so often it's not about the other person. And I think that brings me onto this section of the episode on needs, because I think that it's a question that I really want to ask both of you, because as human beings, we have so many of them. And one phrase that I heard that really, really stuck with me was, we expect one person to give us once what an entire village used to provide us. I didn't really understand it until I dated someone from a huge Kurdish family. And my ex-boyfriend's sister, who's one of my very best friends, she had a baby. What I got to watch was the baby integrated into a large family unit. This baby was raised by the family. And I realized, oh my goodness, that is what that phrase means. And then it got me thinking, yes, can we really have all of our needs met by one person when in caveman days, we were meant to grow and evolve in these almost open communities? Yes, it's a great question. And no, no one person can meet all of your needs. And the person who needs to be meeting your needs the most is you. And I think that is the feeling I get from this question is that the woman who wrote us the question to me feels disconnected from her own self, from her own power. Massimo used the term outsourcing and I see her doing that. It's sort of like I'm happy even though I don't know what the future holds and I'm not really okay with that. So there is something in this relationship that I'm not talking about. And now I'm outsourcing to this new coworker who doesn't really want to have anything to do with me, but that's where I'm focused. And I think that this happens for a lot of us that we outsource the things that we need to learn how to give to ourselves. And the problem is we were never taught how to give ourselves those things, how to be emotionally attuned to our internal world, to our feelings, how to validate our experiences and our feelings, how to love ourselves when we make mistakes. So can a partner meet all of your needs? Absolutely not. Your partner should meet needs of safety, needs of connection. There's different needs, respect, but you have other people in your life to meet your needs. But if you're not focused on your needs first, you're always going to be clamoring to collect it from other people. And that's going to be a short-term fix. Maybe that is part of this thing called compromise, that a relationship is a commitment to compromising sometimes on some things. Massimo, I don't know what your thoughts are on this because I feel like maybe Massimo might be the person to say, actually, you don't need to compromise. You you should be able to have it all. So I'm interested to see what he's going to say on this. Well, to step into the space of this idea of compromise, I think I think the rule that I would say to anybody is compromise is a beautiful space of understanding what the other needs and it's this negotiation of who needs what at that particular point. But I think the moment it starts getting into compromising yourself for the other, where you feel compromised, that's where that trigger point steps in and you literally start resenting the other person. So that's just something to be mindful of. To go a little bit back in, into history a little bit, there have been 
sexual temples throughout history. And the whole idea of the sexual temple was to actually have these needs met. So you had a community that would be able to support you on all these fronts of intimacy, where let's say, for instance, it's not even about the act of penetration itself or being penetrated, but one where you feel you want to have an intimate experience with somebody else because you feel so deeply heard by this person. But the problem is, is that the narratives that we've created for ourselves in monogamous style relationships is that it doesn't lend to stepping out of the relationship and having that little bit of intimacy with somebody else. So it's an interesting debate for me. And if I'm kind of stepping into a monogamous frame of mind, yes, that comes with a certain set of parameters and intricacies. But the same thing also stepping into a polyamorous frame of mind has those intricacies as well. It's just a question of which ones do you want to actually work with? Going back to the listener who wrote to us, again, she probably has not even asked herself, what is her truth? I feel like the easiest way sometimes to look at a problem is to go back to the truth or start with the truth. And sometimes we're not even sure what that is. So I would say to the woman who wrote to us, what is your truth and are you speaking it? What is it that you want in this relationship of six years? And have you spoken that? But again, it feels like she's just handing her power over. Like, well, we'll see what happens. So I think it's a good question. What is it that she really wants? Because you have to make conscious decisions and choices. I think the concept of handing your power away is a really difficult one because if you haven't started to do the work, I think it's a very abstract and foreign phrase because for me, honestly, my whole life, I handed my power away. Like the second that I saw a hot man or met a hot man or had any kind of chemistry, I would think about when it would become a game, like I'm going to get you, can I get you? The game and the attraction just kind of built up the fantasy even more that you objectively lose like the rational that she still, I feel like has some connection to in her question, which is things like, you know, we don't even talk. I don't even know him. There's no real objective, rational reasoning for her to think that they even would be compatible. I get this feeling of obsessing over someone outside of you. And also I think that the forbidden, it's so cliche to say that the forbidden is a turn on, but it is like, I've been there. Like if I can't have you, Before I went to therapy, I wanted you even more. Now, having done my work and or doing the work and being in a very healthy, open-minded, communicative relationship, I'm not looking outside of my relationship. But I also, to Massimo's point, know that if one day, six years into my relationship, I felt this, I would talk about this to my partner. We would discuss it. What does it mean? Where is it coming from? Is something not being met? And taking it one step further, where do we go from here? You know, do we need to spice things up in our sex life? Do we want to look into non-monogamy and polyamory? You know, I would like to think that in my relationship, because I built the foundations, that I would have the conversations that I don't think this woman is having. I think one of the the very simple stepping stones into this kind of conversation is also bringing up this idea of every six months, there should be a renegotiation of boundaries, right? Or, or a revaluation, not necessarily a renegotiation. 
where you can actually start looking at, okay, six months ago, we were in this particular position. Now things have changed. We've kind of settled into a rhythm. Where do we feel? Where is it that our boundaries are being hindered, our desires, even the meaning of what this relationship is and how it's being cultivated together? And I think if you give power to the couple in being able to voice that, you're never afraid to actually then step into that space of going, hmm, six years down the line, actually, I would like to spice this up. You've already primed that conversation right from the get-go. And this is where I think a lot of people need to understand and negotiate with themselves what is a healthy relationship and what is one that is charged and not good for your nervous system. And that was something that I had to experience for myself where understanding what healthy looks like, sometimes it is a little bit flatlined, but it's good for your nervous system. Whereas if I'm stepping into that other very highly charged sexualized space and only speaking from my sacred spot, not my heart and my gut and my head all aligned, I'm going to get myself into sticky business. Maybe this is another episode that we'll do, but Massimo, in my work, I haven't seen people in polyamorous relationships who are feeling calm and steady. So for me, when I hear that, I'm like, oh my God. So I think that would be a really interesting episode to do, actually. Like, can those work? Can they be healthy? Can they be good for us? Because I think I have a bias where I'm like, hell no, that's not going to work. So we could save that for another episode. But I am really curious about that. Even the concept of polyamory ties back to this, which is that the second that you meet your life partner or your current partner, that doesn't mean that the attraction switches just turn off for everyone else, right? And if we imagine it in the wild, it's like saying this lion here, even though he's found his lioness, it doesn't mean that every single biological wiring in his body is going to switch off that he never ever wants to mate with anyone else. And so I wanted to get into the next part of the episode around attraction. And I want to ask you guys, what do you do when that starts to happen? Because the building and the building of that is ultimately a risk factor for a relationship. So I want to talk about that. And I want to also talk about, is it wrong to fantasize around someone else? Yeah, well, I will say the attraction to other people doesn't go away. I mean, (laughs) we don't have blinders on, but it's what you do with that attraction. And again, going back to what Massimo says, what boundaries have you established in the relationship? Have you even talked about boundaries in terms of intimacy with other people, relationships with other people? And I think whoever you think about when you're self-pleasuring or getting yourself off is your business. But if you are constantly thinking about somebody else, for me, that is an indication that there's something not being addressed in the relationship. So does the attraction go away? No. And Louise, you and I did an episode on cheating where it's like, if you are regularly interacting with somebody and there is that flirtation and that attraction there, that's kind of the danger zone because it's a slippery slope. So I like what you said, you and your boyfriend have talked about that and that's what you're both comfortable with to kind of safeguard your relationship. And again, it takes two people willing to be honest with themselves, honest with their partner and conscious to be in touch with, okay, why am I attracted to this person and why do I keep wanting to be around them? I think for me, it starts with this idea of intentionality, because if there is a flirtatiousness and that is just what the person is about and they relish in that, and I'm very comfortable in my sexuality and my partner is doing something like that, I, I would still need to understand what the intention is. You know, what are you getting out of the experience before before getting to the point of being very defensive that this person is stepping into a dangerous place? But then it's just a question of how do you actually bring that conversation to the foreground with your partner and seeing where there is some kind of alignment? 
So if we're going to take fantasy as an example, and, and you're very correct, most people have that very insular experience of fantasy is my thing. I take myself to my bedroom and I leave it there. So it's something that is very much in a hidden space. Still. Whereas what would it actually be like if we started introducing our partner to our fantasy? That's one thing. And you can level it up even one step further and say, look, in this fantasy, I want to do a little bit of role playing and I want you to be this person, embody this person that I'm deeply attracted to. And I want to make love to you while you are embodying this person. Most people will shit themselves even just with this kind of discussion. <laughs> it's something that going back to what I was saying before about you can define the parameters as much as you want to. And what will be so informative will be when you've done the role play, you're going to have a real answer as to how did that feel? What came up for you? It gives you that much more information to go, wow, my partner allowed me to step into the space. I felt safe. I didn't have to outsource this to somebody else and then feel the shame and the guilt. How do I feel now? Wow. I mean, I think Dr. Tara and I are a bit like, wow, okay, we did not expect that one coming. I think that is fascinating. And it makes, that makes a lot of sense really, because in that moment of eroticism, like really it's energy, right? So if your eyes are closed and you're fully experiencing that energetic moment, you can get as close to, excuse my language, fucking someone else. So that is fascinating. Just taking it back a couple of steps, because I think the majority of people won't be at the stage of being able to do that. Or I think a lot of people even trying to raise that that conversation would probably be the breakdown of the relationship. And I think that's why we are all here doing the work that we do. And together we'll be guiding people to have these conversations. If, if we're going to take one step back, because I, I know that that sounds like it's, it's a very, very, very scary space to step into if you haven't primed yourself for that. But then allow yourself to be seen by your partner in your fantasy space. If that's pornography, if it's eroticism, whatever it is that, that turns you on, allow your partner to see yourself being pleasured by the thing that is the visual stimulus, auditory stimulus, whatever it is that you're listening to or watching. And that in itself is going to bring a different kind of eroticism into the relationship. Great point. And I think what I'm taking from this as the summary is shedding light onto the areas of darkness in a relationship. Because if we go back to this lady's question, all of this is happening in the dark. She feels ashamed. She's not sharing it with anyone. And I think that things in relationships need to be brought to the light. And that is the first step, right? So before you start role-playing or before you start thinking, oh, I need to go to a sex party or, oh, we need to try X, Y, and Z, I think that the next step for the person that sent in this question and everyone out here who might relate to this question is, how do I shed a little bit of light onto the darkness in my relationship? And the darkness for one person might be a fantasy about someone else. For someone else, it might be that their partner no longer does X, Y, Z to them or for them. Or the darkness might be that they're not sure they want to marry this person, or maybe they don't know if they want to have children with this person. So I think my question here is, how do you start to have this conversation with your partner when there's a niggle, there's something coming up. Because I think that you leave a niggle for long enough, you ignore it for long enough, and the niggle becomes a crack. The crack becomes a crater, and then the whole relationship explodes. So how can this woman and anyone else listening in their relationship start to have these conversations? Is it about needs? Am I meeting your needs? Is it about attraction? Where do we go from here? So I would say where to start before you even start that conversation. 
I would want the woman who wrote to us to have a conversation with herself and get very clear on what is my intention of this conversation? And is it that I need to share something, that I need my partner to hear something? Do I have questions that need to be asked? Is there a truth or truths that I need to share? And that may require her getting in touch with those. So I would encourage her before having the conversation with her partner, be honest with herself because he's not going to solve this issue. The other guy isn't going to solve the issue. She needs to start with herself. And then when she gets clear on, is it something I need to ask? Is it something I need to share? I would definitely share what's going on. I would share the truth of this situation. And it probably won't be easy, but it is the truth. And like you said, we've got to shed light on what is not being talked about, what isn't being said so that her partner understands what's happening. And so that's what I would say in terms of even before having the conversation, having that consciousness about why do I need to have this conversation and what is it I want to share or ask? I would probably take it even one step further. And for me, it's really this amazing trap that we all fall into to feel responsible for the other person's emotional state. We're not responsible for anyone else's emotions, but our own. And that's really where I think it would be the starting point of going, like you say, Dr. Terry, that there there are going to be some painful truths that this person is potentially going to hear. But if you've disarmed that now I don't have to feel responsible for you because you are an adult and you're looking after yourself and you can give the things to yourself that you need, and that's not mine to carry. I already have that space and that freedom to be able to step in that and actually tease these things out. That's one thing that I think would be would be essential to eventually getting to that point of speaking your truth. Totally agree. Yes. I think that for a lot of people, it will be a deeply triggering, potentially upsetting conversation. But if this is premised or prefaced with, I want to have this conversation with you because I want to be with you and I want this relationship to work and I want us to work through the bumps that life is going to throw at us, delivering it from a place of positivity, love, nurturance, acknowledging that there will be hard times in the relationship. Maybe this is one of them. I really hope that we can talk this through together. We don't need to have big reactions, but I will hold space for you when uncomfortable ones do come up. I will give you space to process, but on the undertaking that we are entering into this discussion with the end goal of it bringing us closer, that for me is something that I'm learning to bring into my relationships that I never had before. And I've said it already that in past relationships, I would keep the darkness to myself. And I would think as an 18-year-old, oh, if I just make out with him, it will go away. Now, the truth is it doesn't go away because very often it is not about them. And today, the relief of being in a healthy communicative relationship where I know that if something comes up like this, that I will be able to talk about it is beautiful. But I also know it won't be a nice conversation. It's not going to be, oh, I love you so much. Like, I'm so happy that you want to fuck that guy that you met last week. Of course, it's not going to be like that. But if it's coming to it from a place of we are humans and these things are going to happen, I feel like empowered from that with the positive delivery. But what if you presenting that to your partner is received so well and they love you even more for that truth of wanting to go and have sex with somebody else and they can support you to such a point that they will hold that space using your phrase and be present enough with whatever comes up for them when you do come back into that space with them to actually see what happens. 
I mean, I think this is why you are here, because I think the angle that you bring to these podcasts is revolutionary, because I honestly think 99.9% of people will be listening to you thinking, what the fuck is he talking about? There is no way that my partner would ever hold space for me to do that, and vice versa. I wouldn't hold space for them to do that. But I love having you here, and I love having these discussions, because you bring a truth to the table that society doesn't see today. Because there's this belief today that love is monogamy and love is control and love is you and me and we're a partnership and a team. And if you dare turn your back on me or if you dare look at someone else, that is no longer love and you have betrayed me and you have let me down and you've wasted my time. And so I love what you bring to the table because I honestly think you are opening people's eyes to a reality that does not even exist for a lot of people. You are the therapist that shows people that there are other ways to live outside of the sort of reality of normality, I guess. I just love that we're doing these episodes answering our listeners' questions. I hope we do more of them. And I just want to say to the person who wrote to us that oftentimes our relationships are the vehicles through which we grow, change, and expand. And I feel like you are at that place, that this isn't really about this relationship or this coworker. It's about you. And so I hope that you hear that and you take the time to self-reflect and figure out how do I need to grow? How do I need to show up more? How do I need to step more into my truth and into my light? And just sending sending you a lot of love. I think I, I only have really one addition to say to, to you, Dr. Terry, and what you've said is, is that for the lady in question, you have to remember that relationships are about growing through tension. And it's the tension point within a relationship that allows us to level up and step up into the next stage of that relationship. So don't be afraid of this being a tense point that you're going through. That should actually really be welcomed. And I think the moment you can see tension as being something about growth, you'll skyrocket. Oh, you just gave me goosebumps there. I feel like that's the perfect end to the episode for both of you. They were both such important and poignant points. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for both of you. This has been so amazing to have multiple opinions and different angles and both of your expertise. So some of my key takeaways from today's episode is that in these situations, there's often a darkness that we are not shining a light on. And maybe as Dr. Terry has said, we are not connected to our truth. Or maybe it is that we are being driven by an unconscious attraction that we learned many, many decades ago that continues to show up in our relationships today. Or as Massimo said, there are sexual needs that we have that maybe long ago would have been met by multiple people. And today in monogamous relationships, we might find ourselves thinking outside of ourselves and not really knowing how to handle those because we don't live in a society where it's easy to have those conversations. And I know that a lot of what Massimo has said has been, you know, triggering for some probably and abstract for others. But I think also really important for us to just see there are other ways that relationships can be navigated and ways that you can navigate this without everything being a huge drama. But I would say that my final takeaway from this whole episode is that if at any point you are looking to connect with someone outside of you, I think that already means there is some level of disconnect both within you and within your partner. 
And I don't think that that disconnect is not repairable. And in fact, Dr. Terry and I have been working on something that we are so excited to share, which is literally being created to reconnect, to nurture, to bring you together, reignite the spark, reignite the passion, and really just get to know each other in a way that maybe you haven't done in a while, or maybe in a way that you never did. So I think key takeaway from today is connection, connection, connection with your truth, with each other, and ultimately not with the person outside of the relationship. So thank you, Dr. Terry. Thank you, Massimo. Grateful for you both. And I will see you next episode. Bye. Bye guys. Have a beautiful day. Hi friends. Did you love the episode? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I always enjoy recording them. If you took value from this episode, I would really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast, leaving a review on Apple or Spotify, as well as tagging us on social media at The Open House Podcast. Supporting us in this way helps the podcast to move up the charts, as well as most importantly, reaching more people who are in need but can't access traditional therapy. Thank you a million times over for always supporting this podcast and going on this journey with me. And other than that, this is your final reminder that you can find me here on the Open House podcast every Monday. Until then, remember, there is nothing sexier than self-awareness and together we are going to make mental health great again.